0: this morning if you've been around a while you've heard them before but I'm going to share them in a little bit different context this morning. It's going to be a little bit different context. Um, we just came out of a season. I know both of our campuses uh, just came out of a season, a very powerful season. Uh, we did a series called Better. How many, how many of you enjoyed the Better series? Wasn't it just awesome? And it was just so, so good. Part of what we did, because our focus was on prayer, part of what we did is we took 21 days of, uh, and we, we, we prayed and we fasted. And um, I want to talk to you about that this morning. And the reason I want to talk to you about that this morning is that um, I remember... Uh, a few years ago, I, I used to do some mountain bike racing, and, and so I was just learning, and, and you know just asking guys who were really really good uh, uh, cyclists and mountain bikers. Uh, I said, you know, give me some tips, help me out, give me some tips. And I'll never forget one of the tips that a guy gave me. He said this. He said when you're when you're in a race and you're you're you know with are well, in a small group, and and you know you're getting towards the end of the race where you know every push is critical. He said, don't ever rest at the top of a hill. He said, when you're climbing, you're, you're climbing and you get to the top of the hill, don't rest. Don't back off. He said, the reason is, he said, because somebody else, one of your, your opponents, they might. And he said, it's in that moment that if you'll just push a little harder, don't back off when you get to the top of the hill. Even though you may be tired, even though you've been pressing to get to the top of that hill, don't back off. Because at that point, you could get a gap. So are you following me? So sometimes when we walk through spiritual seasons in church, we walk through spiritual seasons like we just came through, the 21 Days of Prayer, the Better series. Sometimes we can have the temptation to do what we can just sort of uh, rest a little bit. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not time to rest. It's not time to back off. It's time to push on. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? (laughs) So the point of the series, again, was prayer and fasting, get, getting better at prayer. And I, I was saying this at the, at, the, at the North Campus, the Shreveport Campus. We, 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 we just don't want to get better in regards to prayer as far as praying eloquent prayers. No, we want to get better at praying effective prayers. Yes. You better amen than that. Amen. Because, you know, God is not in prayer. How many of you have ever been around people that just can pray? You know, just can. I mean, you just like if you're in a group, you know, everybody been in a group prayer like a circle and, and, and you got the person, you know, you're going around the prayer thing and you got the person next to you and the person next to you can just bring it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they can really pray. And you're like, oh, God, I got to go after them. And, you know, you're like, but here, here's my point. God doesn't care about how eloquent our prayers are. He cares about how effective our our prayers are, how heartfelt our prayers can be. Can somebody say amen, amen, amen to that? Because here is the reason prayer and fasting has been so important. Prayer and fasting is, is important because uh, a prayer is God's door for influence. And any time that you give God influence, any time you ever give God place in your life, something good is going to happen. Anytime you give God influence, anytime you give Him a place, something is going to change. Something is going to happen. And prayer is what does that. Fasting is what does it. How many, how many of you, I don't raise your hand, but how many of you are thankful that we have moved from fasting to feasting? Amen. Anybody made that move? You came in of that 21 days of fasting. You're like, I fasted coffee uh, this time. One of the things I fasted, yeah, ooh, is right. Oh, Jesus, help me. Um, and I've never just stopped coffee. I've backed off of coffee before, but I've never just stopped coffee full, you know, just like stopped it. And, and the first three days, help me, Jesus. I was like, help me, Father, get through this. And after that, but you know what? Uh, I, what, what, what the reason that we fast, the reason I know why I fasted coffee is I said, God, I don't want anything to get in. I don't want anything to be a distraction. I want, I, want, I want you to be first and I want you to be foremost. And, and it was just a very, 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 very powerful, powerful time. Prayer and fasting gives God the door. And anytime God has a door to influence it, something good is, is, uh, is, is going to change. I want to start this message with an event that shaped the world as we know it. In December of 1903, there were two brothers that made history. Two brothers that made history. December of 1903. They were called the Wright Brothers. There were two brothers, actually, that owned a bicycle shop they, uh, in, in the Midwest. And they had this idea. They said they had this dream. They had this idea. They, they wanted to fly. There were, there were things that had flown before, uh, like balloons. People had gone up in balloons and gliders and things like this. Th- this. But they wanted something different. They wanted a heavier-than-air-powered flying machine. And if you're familiar with the story, you know their last name was was Wright, the Wright brothers. So they built this this, uh, this airplane, this flying machine, powered flying machine. And they went to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And on December 1903, that morning of December 1903, uh, they flipped a coin. And when they flipped the coin, the coin flip was for who was going to get to take the first flight. So Orville, the youngest one, won the, the coin uh, toss. He got on the, uh, the, the, this, this flying machine. And it says that when he flew, he flew 12 seconds and 120 feet. Is anybody thankful that the Wright brothers did not give up on the dream to fly in a heavier than air flying machine? Is anybody thankful for that? Because today, listen, I mean, it changed the world as we know it. Because today, we can be almost anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours because of flight. Here's the point that I want to make. The most important part wasn't what they achieved that day, although it was a great achievement. The most important thing that happened today, that day, was what they set in motion. Because 66 years later, 66 years later, July of 1969, there were three astronauts that sat on top of a Saturn V rocket, several stories tall. And at the end of the countdown, they, they took off this is a heavier than air flying machine. They launched and they flew one hundred and three hours and traveled over two hundred fifty thousand miles. They flew one hundred and three hours and traveled over two hundred and fifty thousand miles to the moon. When they got on top, when they got on the moon, uh, uh, Mr. Armstrong stepped out. For the first time, humanity, a human, stepped on the moon. Amazing. Why did they do that? They did that because the Wright brothers, 66 uh, years before, achieved something that went beyond just that moment, at that moment in time. They set some things in motion that affected individuals 66 years later and still affects people today. Are you following me? So it's not about what you achieve. It's about what you set in motion in life. Again, so for the last 21 days, excuse me, not for the last 21 days, but uh, a few weeks ago, we stopped the 21 days of prayer. But here's the point that I want to make. Everybody listen to me. Here's the point that I want to make. It's not just what we achieved by praying 21 days. It's not just about what we achieved by gathering together and praying corporately For five nights, although it was powerful, wasn't it? It's not just about what we achieved in regards to not eating certain things or or separating ourselves from certain things in what we call fasting. That's not the important part, although it should be applauded. The most important thing was what we set in motion those 21 days. The truth is... We set some things in motion, but this morning I want to talk to you about the process of walking out what we've been praying out. And here's why. Because it's just like a moment ago. Remember the analogy that I gave you when you're riding up that, uh, when I was riding, uh, racing. Remember the guy, what he told me, he said, when you get to the top of the hill, don't relax. Don't back off. When you get to the top of the hill, you've got to keep going. And so what can happen is, is that when we finish up this 21 days of prayer this season, we can relax and we say, all right, we did great, 21 days. I fasted 21 days, yes. That should be applauded, but really what's important is what we set in motion spiritually. So If you're taking notes this morning, I want to write I want you to write these uh, I've got three points that I want to give you. And there are three promises of the process as we talk about the process of walking out what we've prayed out. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, write this down and I like to say it this way, if you're not taking notes, go do what? Go ahead and write it down. Number one is God, is God is in the process. First point is that God is in the process. If you look at God, if you study the Bible, you'll see this Old Testament, New Testament, you'll see that God has got a process. Go back to the very beginning of the Old Testament. You'll find Genesis and Genesis. He, one of the things that happened in Genesis is that he created the heavens and the earth. You watch that and you'll see that you go back and read that and you'll see that God is a God of process. God didn't just start doing and speaking random things. There was a process. He spoke the heavens into the, uh, into being. He spoke the earth into being. Then He created the trees and everything on that, the mountains, all this stuff. Then He created humanity. And then the process, the process just continues. You go into the New Testament, you find scriptures like Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Watch this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and what? Trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose, process. It says that God is what? He's working in what? In you. Is there anybody in the room this morning that's thankful that God is working in you? Aren't you thankful that God, when you, uh, even though the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, He didn't stop with that. I like to say it this way, when somebody accepts Christ as, your, as their Savior, when someone rededicates their life and gives their life to God, back to God, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a process of walking out uh, the the, the life that God has given us. How many knows that there is a life that God wants us to walk out? How many knows there's more to life and walking with God than just coming to church on a Sunday morning, on the weekends, and giving God a little bit of our time? How many knows there's more than that? There's a process of discovering His plan and His purpose. There's a process of making a difference in people's lives. It's all a process. There's another scripture uh, that, that talks about process and shows that God is the God of process. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. It says, I planted, this is Paul writing, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Process. Everybody say process this morning. Yeah. So neither is the one who plants nor is the one, excuse me, so neither neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. L- listen, the reason that I want you to see this is that when we spent time, as as our campuses, when we spent time praying and believing, as we spent time praying and fasting, again, it started a process. And the reason it's important to understand this is that often there is a gap between the time that you pray and you see the answer to your prayers. I'll say that again. Often there's a gap between the time that you pray and the time that you see the answer to your prayers. Or let me say it this way: the time that uh, there's a gap between the time that you pray and the, the, the moment that you see what your prayer produces. So we start to pray. Like a few weeks ago when we were praying. I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, in the realm of God, things began to move. Things began to happen. There was a process that was started. Anybody thankful for the process? Give an example of this. Daniel chapter 10, uh, verses 12 and 13. Daniel has uh, prayed. So he's gone to God and he's prayed. He said, God, I need an answer. So then he has this angel appear to him. L- listen to this. Then he said, this is the angel speaking to Daniel. Then he said, Daniel, don't be afraid. Excuse me, didn't, that's not what it says on the screen. It says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Just testing it. <laughs> don't be afraid, Daniel. Now, now, some of you some of you look at that and you go, okay, Daniel's here, angel appears. And the, when the angel appears, he looks at Daniel and says, Daniel, don't be afraid. <laughs> like you wouldn't be afraid. <laughs> You know, some of the real spiritual people are like, oh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. An angel appeared. I'd be like, well, praise the Lord. You know you would probably be making a door through the wall where there was no door before. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus, help me. There's an angel spalking to me right now. I love this part. Watch this. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. It's giving you a glimpse into heaven. Give, in the heavenlies. Giving you a glimpse into the process. And I've come to answer your prayer. Listen to this. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. 21 days. Then Michael. So so Gabe, Gabriel called for Michael. Abaca, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's funny to me. I mean, you know, Gabriel's there, and he's, you know, doing the spiritual battle stuff, and Michael shows up, and Gabriel's like, you take it from here, I'm out of here. You know, I've got something to do. (laughs) Michael's like, gee, thanks. I just showed up to help, and then you leave me. But anyway, I guess I'm the only one who thinks that's funny. But anyway, he came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So basically, here's what happened. He's saying, Daniel, when you prayed, you were heard. Aren't you thankful that when we pray, we're heard? When we pray, we're heard. But look what he says. He said, I'm here, but it took 21 days for me to get the answer to you. So what was going on? The gap that I'm talking about. God was working in the gap the entire time. Now listen to me. Daniel couldn't see it. Daniel couldn't feel it. Daniel didn't know what was going on. But the entire time from the moment that Daniel prayed until he got the answer, God was working in the gap. God was working in the gap. Daniel couldn't feel it. Daniel couldn't taste it. Daniel couldn't see it. But God God was working. Now, you've been around a while. You know that I'm the oldest of three boys. I'm the oldest of three sons. We were brought up in a spirit-filled church. We never, never asked on Saturday night or Sunday morning, what are we doing on Sunday? Never, not one time. We knew better. We, we knew mom would just absolutely, she would just go, what is wrong with you, son? And cast the devil out of you in the name of Jesus. You something, Something's wrong, holy water, something. Are you following me? She just, I mean, we just never did. We were always in church. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my parents made me come to church. And there were times, there were times they made me. I was like, I'm sick. Well, we'll pray for you when you, we'll lay hands on you when you get to church. You'll be healed. You know, I, I, every excuse I would try, you know, no, it's not going to happen. But there was a point when I got a little older in life that I decided I was going to go do my own thing. I was just going to do my own thing. When I got into college, you know, I just I just really wasn't prepared. Nobody really told me and prepared me for college and what I was going to see and experience, and even here in the classroom, I, I just wasn't prepared for. It. So when I got to college, I decided I was going to do my own thing, and and I really did a pretty good job of it. But then there were times with my with my mom uh, that I found out later. I found out that during that time, she heard about it. You know, it's weird with moms that pray. They can find this stuff out, you know. I always said, Mom, you got the gift of suspicion, but it wasn't. It was the Holy Spirit that lived in her that she prayed. And she just had that mother, they call it mother's intuition. No, no, it was the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm going to go way over my time, I can tell you. I mean, never mind, don't look at the back wall. But anyway, (laughs) I'm going to do my best here. So anyway, she starts praying. She would get up, this little church in North Louisiana, she would get up. Uh, in the morning, and she would go to this church 6 a.m. during the week. 6 a.m., five days a week. She would get up, and she would go to the church, and she would pray. And I would hear people, people that were there that were praying with her told me that she would walk back and forth against the wall of the church. And, and my mom, she's got this really strong voice. That's a nice way to say she's got a loud mouth. So she would, she would just walk back and forth, and she would just call her son's name up, up to God. Father, I just, I just believe in Jesus' name that that, that 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 though wherever John goes, he can run, but he can't hide. Because Father, your word says in Psalm, David prayed that that if I go to the highest peak, you're there. If I go to the lowest valley, you're there. Wherever you go, that 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 that, that wherever David went, he said that you're there, God. And she began to pray that prayer over me, back and forth. Then, then, while I'm at college, at the same time while I'm at college, I have these strange things that begin to happen to me. It's just true; these weird things that begin to happen to me. I begin to run into people that were just like Jesus people. You know, like like when I moved in my dorm my freshman year, I was by this guy. I'm telling you, he was a Jesus freak. He carried he carried this is back in the days when he guys carried people carried briefcases. Younger guys, you know what a briefcase a briefcase is, just Google it. It's like a small suitcase kind of a thing that we would carry books in. Oh books? Yeah, they're can somebody hold up a book? Yeah. There books, books, but he didn't carry just books, he carried Bibles. And he had every translation that, that was known to mankind in his briefcase. And he was right next to me. He always left the door open. And when I would walk by the door, and I had to walk by the door to get to my room, when I would walk by the door and it was open, he would say, Oh, hey, Chuck, come here, let me tell you this new revelation. Oh, let me tell you what God's showing me. Oh, God is so good. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I'm trying to have fun. But every time he would say that, there was something on the inside of me that would just go off. Because I was like, I know that's true. I know what he's saying is real. (laughs) Then I would go to the gym and then there was this guy named Bobby at the gym. This crazy Cajun guy from Opelousas, Louisiana. Bobby's about 6'2". Then he weighed about 225. I was was 5'9", about 165. So... The reason I said that is because when I would walk in the front door, sometimes Bobby would be in the back, and when I would walk in the front door, Bobby would say, Johnny! And I'm like, my name's not Johnny, it's John. But, but he's 6'2", 225, so he can call me whatever he wants, you know? And he, from, the, from the back of the gym, he would say, Jesus loves you. Listen, he would not do that to anybody else. He would only do it to me. And I'm like, stop it, Bobby, but he's 6'2", I'm not going to tell him to stop. And there were times when I would go back there, and we'd be working. I didn't work out with him. But, you know, he was rotating through stuff. He would grab me, like, around the neck, kind of grab me and just hold me close. And he'd say, oh, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I'm like, shut up. But he's six-two, two twenty-five, So I'm just, you know, set it on the inside, but I didn't tell him on the outside. You say, was that by accident? No, it wasn't by accident. What was happening is God was working in the gap. Why? Because Renee Welch never quit walking back and forth against that back wall in that little church. She kept praying and she kept praying and she kept praying. Then one day I get a, a, door, a knock on my door, and there was a guy named Paul Trokel, known him since I was this tall. Happened to pastor in the same city that I was going to school at. When I looked through the peephole, it was him and his it was it was Paul and his youth pastor. I'm I'm looking through the peephole and I, I was in an apartment then, I was my senior year. I'm looking through the peephole and 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 I'm I'm thinking I know why he's here. I know why he's here. So I opened the door and Paul came in, sat down, a little bit of small talk, and he looked at me. He said, John, he said, What are you doing? You just have to know Paul. He doesn't beat around the bush. What are you doing? I said, Paul. Just going to college. I'm going to coach like my dad. That's what I'm doing. And he said, now look at me. And, he, and I looked at him in his eyes. And he looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I knew what he meant by that. I knew it. And I said, Paul, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that was by accident? No. What was happening? God... Was working in the gap. Listen, don't fight the process. Don't try to take shortcuts in the process. Because if you shortcut the process, you can shortcut, short circuit the product. Say it again if you shortcut the process, you can short-circuit the product. What your prayers produce. Second number point, second, second point number two, is there's pain in the process. There is pain. In the, there's pain in the gap at times, guys. I believe one of the greatest trials you'll ever face in your walk with God is in the gap. I believe that. It's in that... It's between the point that you pray and the point that you see God the answer to your prayer. One of the greatest trials is in that gap. And the pain is not seeing any evidence. Any evidence that God's heard your prayer. Or that God's working. That's often the pain. And and there, there are times, listen, there are times after we pray... There are times it doesn't really even get better. Sometimes it even gets worse. And the pain of that, God, where are you? You haven't heard? You didn't hear my prayer? I'm in the gap here and I feel all alone because I don't see you doing anything. I would love to say, uh, I, would lo- I, would, I would love to be able to stand and say the first time my mom prayed, that I called her the next day and said, Mom, I just had to come to Jesus meeting and I'm serving God with all of my life now. It didn't happen that way. Because the gap is whether your faith is tested, guys. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> Don't you love it when James says that? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse three says, "Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what." Here, here's the here's the beautiful thing about pain. Pain will make you move. Talking about pain in the process. Pain will make you move. How many of you ever been in pain before? You ever been in pain before? I've been in pain a few times had shoulder surgery one time and I didn't listen to the doctor and I didn't listen to my wife that's bad when they said make sure you take some medicine like go ahead and take it before the anesthesia stuff and pain pump all that stuff block nerve block make sure you get it in your system beforehand because you're going to hurt afterwards shoulder surgery anybody had shoulder surgery you know what I'm talking about didn't listen to my doctor didn't listen to my wife I'm telling you uh, you know I said oh no I can handle some pain boom I'm a man tough the next morning about 5 a.m. I woke up I've never taken illegal drugs in my life but if there would have been crack in the house I would have taken it (laughs) yeah smoke it whatever and I remember the pain and I was just trying to get comfortable i was trying to move why it's what pain does pain makes you move And so pain will make you do one of two things when it comes to the gap. You'll either draw closer to God, or you'll draw away from Him. Pain will make you do one of two things. You'll draw closer to God, like I'm on the fence. I go either way, closer to God. I'm going to go further away from Him. You say, well, what what determines that? What determines that? It's right relationships. listen to me. Everybody look at me after you get through taking that. Because that was a really good point. So go ahead and finish that and then look at me. Listen, 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 listen. That's why we value relationship at all of our campuses. It's because you cannot make it through the gap alone. You cannot make it through the gap alone. You have to have the right relationships that will tell you and encourage you. You see, my mom didn't show up at that little church at 6 a.m. every morning during the week by herself. You know what it was? It was a small group. (laughs) And after they got through praying, they would all get together, maybe have a little bit of coffee, and say, you know what, Renee? You know what? Listen, you know what? God's going to move in your boy's life. You don't stop praying. Because there were times that she got discouraged. But they wouldn't let her quit. They wouldn't let her back off. They would say, Renee, listen, you don't stop praying. Those boys are going to serve God. They don't have a chance. They can run, but they can't hide. And you know what? They were right. Because the whole time, the whole time that she was gathering with her small group, and they were praying together, guess what God was doing? God was working in the gap. Hebrews ten twenty five says we should not stop gathering together uh, with other believers, large group, small group, as some are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage uh, 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 each other even more as, the, as we see the day of the Lord coming. Lead a group, somebody. Amen. Be a part of a group, somebody. Make time for a group, somebody. Amen. You may not need others, but others need you, somebody. Amen. Amen. So I wrap up this morning, last point is this: is that there's always, 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 always a reward to the process. There's always, there's always a reward to the process. Hebrews eleven six says this. I love this. It says no one can please God without faith. Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists. Watch this part, and that He rewards those who seek Him. That God rewards those who, what? Not draw away. Not jump off the wrong side of the fence. But jump off the right side of the fence. Says, God, I know I'm in the gap right now. And I can't feel you working. I can't see you working. But I know that you're working. And I know you've heard the answer to my prayers. And I know if it takes 21 days or 21 months. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to trust you in the gap. I'm going to trust you. Everybody listen to me. It's not just what we achieved in those 21 days. It's not what we achieved by just having the better series. It's what we set in motion. And I'm here to tell you today. God's talking to you today. Don't, don't, don't back off don't relax don't let the enemy trick you into believing deceive you into believing that God's not working that God did not hear your prayers the fall of 1990 I got a phone call if you've been around here a while you've heard this story it was from a someone from the National Guard I was in the Guard got a phone call and they said congratulations You're going to war. You've been ordered to combat. So, first of all, first thing I said is, I said, who is this? I thought it was a joke. It wasn't a joke. And I knew at that point I was not smart enough. I was not wise enough. I was not shrewd enough to get out of this one. I I had to have God. So I went and sat down on my bed and said, God, if you'll bring me home alive... I'll do what you call me to do. I'm done running. I'm through. I'm done. God kept his end of the deal. Obviously, I'm standing here. And I've kept mine. If I had my mom here this morning, I said, Mom, would you come up here on the platform? And if I hand her the mic, no, I wouldn't hand her the mic. Because she'd start preaching. I'd say, Mom, let me ask you a question. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth working the gap for all that amount of time? Was it worth it hanging in there? She's not here, but I promise you, I know what she would say. She would say, absolutely, it was worth it. Do you know why? This is not bragging at all. I'm just talking about the goodness of God. And a woman that would work the gap, and stayed in the gap. Bragging on my mom. She would say it was worth it. You know why? Because all three of her boys are not just saved, but they're serving God today. All three of them. Not only that, listen, not only that, not only that, but listen... Her grandchildren, every single one of them, every one of them, my daughters, my brother's daughters, my other brother's sons, all of them are in love with God, in love with Jesus, in love with the local church. They don't just attend church, they serve. They're all saved. Why? Why? It's because Renee wasn't willing to bail in the gap. She stayed in the gap. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God's saying something so loud. And that is this. It's not time to sit back. It's not time to rest. It's time to press. And walk out what we've prayed out. Walk out what we've prayed out. Are you hearing what God's saying this morning? I said, Are you hearing what God's saying this morning? It's not what we achieved, it's what we set in motion in those 21 days of prayer. Let's pray.